You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, don't look at the Tankathon standings at this point. The Flyers, one of the hottest teams currently in, in the NHL. What's going on? Let's talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 138 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that good stuff. You can find it in the links in our description at OBackcheck on Twitter, at Orange and Backcheck Podcast on Instagram, as well as Facebook. Scott, I mean, I'll just turn right to you. How are you, sir? Uh, hashtag better than you think. <laughs> yes. Yes. I told you. I told you. Listen, uh, it's been fun watching this team. Listen, regardless that I know a lot of people are wanting this team to be bad to get a guy like Connor Bedard, and it would be great. It would be. It doesn't seem it's like going to happen at this point. Stranger things have happened, but I, I, I have to say that I enjoy seeing this team win seven out of eight games and actually playing really good hockey and you know, the only team that they lost to recently was, you know, a team I despise, but still uh, in Toronto. But they, when you win seven out of eight, it doesn't matter which opponents you play against. You're doing something right. So Flyers fans should really look at this and say, this is the whole point of bringing like Tortorella in playing the younger guys is for them to get better and develop. And it's happening. Yeah. And, and this was that. Honestly, I was I've made it very clear like last week when when we spoke uh did the episode I was like it's fun to see them win but then when you see a guy that's a generational projected generational talent like Connor Bedard lighting it up in the junior in the world juniors and winning it for Canada you're just like ah, I I need this guy in orange and black and, but unfortunately and this is the mindset that I think people can't wrap their head around in all of sports, not just the flyer situation, but you're never going to be able to convince players to actively tank. Um, even, even in the Sixers era, when they did the process, like they were still pushing an effort to win these games. And, and it goes to show like they're there. The flyers are right at 500 in terms of point conversion. Like this is, but this is the problem, right? Like this is how I view it. Like where it's like, okay, cool. They're winning seven out of eight at seven, seven out of eight. This is great. Uh, Guys that you want to see uh, playing hard are playing hard. Um, but I, I, I think because you're just at a 500 clip right now, like it, it doesn't do anything for me. And it goes into these feeds into these rumors of the Provorov trade rumors that have now cropped up over 
the last couple of days, couple of weeks. So like, it's just kind of like, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm like, you're missing out on a generational talent. And, uh, I also don't expect this to, to, to hold. Like I I think at some point now they have an interesting week coming up. They do have two terrible teams in Chicago and Anaheim coming up, uh, after this Boston game on Monday, but it's kind of like, they're winning too many games and they're not beating they're beating the teams that they shouldn't beat and they're losing to or they're and they're still and they're also beating the teams that they need to lose to but you're not going to convince anyone named Kevin Hayes or Carter Hart or Travis Konechny to lose these games for you because that's not how they were watching they're they're not in tank mode like they're not like Arizona they're not in like Chicago they're not doing that where that team those teams are completely they're just bad teams I mean you saw the difference against against Arizona you saw the difference between a good team and a bad team. Now, like, for instance, the Flyers put up a lot of offense against the uh, the Coyotes this past week. They won 6-2. to two. But, like, for instance, you watch the team, the only bright spot, like, that Arizona had. And don't forget, Arizona beat the Flyers earlier this season in overtime. So, it, when you watch a team like that, you know, you look at, like, okay, well, the, you could see that they just don't have a lot going on, Arizona. And then the Flyers come out and dominate, and then Carl Vimelka keeps them in it and then just gets torched in the second period. But that's the difference between a really bottom tank-out team where they don't have the talent to basically fielding an AHL roster and a team that is young and you know somewhat underperforming when it's veterans because the guys who are performing right now are the younger guys. You know, Guys like you know Morgan Frost is still inconsistent, but he's a young player. You got to give him that leash, you know what I mean? And then TK, he's, you know, playing better than Connor McDavid at this point, legitimately. Like, he's legit. Over oh, these last two eight games, game. yeah. Yeah, over the last eight games. He's got a 10, he had a 10-game point streak snap last night. But that's exactly what you want to see. I mean, for instance, TK already matched his career high in goals when he hit the hat trick the other night against Washington. Yeah, I saw that. So, it's, it's impressive. Now, with this team, what is real, what people need to look at is that you're – they're 500 right now. You know this team's not a Stanley Cup contender. You, you're worried about that that whole like you know mediocrity and you know not you know and you know it, that, that whole sense of I ah, you know they're 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 not great but they're not they're you know, they're not a great team but they're not a bad team. That whole yeah. mediocrity average, and all that stuff. They've all they've been an average team for the better part of a decade plus now. Really since the the ten final the ten final run. Um, for the most part and like but it's also to to I think I mentioned this before too Charlie O'Connor's phrase they're an average to bad team but they have a good coach whereas Anaheim and the Phoenix of the world are just bad coaches bad team all around so you're not getting anything and this was the this is the, this is the end-all be-all of the Tortorella effect whether it's banning iPads which we'll get into on the bench for the betterment of the team like this is just how he operates and gets teams to play. The amount of defensive uh, moves, or uh, lack of a better phrase I'm trying to think of, the, the, the tenacity, the consistency, how constant the defense has been goes to show what they are finally click is clicking with Tortorella's philosophy of playing without the puck. Like that, I think it's, it was a dive move uh, against the f- in the first Anaheim, or excuse me, the first Washington game. T- Tony D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo had this what incredible play. anticipation play to block that cross ice attempt pass from TJ Oshie. Yeah, and I think it was to was it to Ovi? I think it was him and Ovi. I don't think I, I don't think remember. It was, but I know, I knew he was trying to make the pass. It might have been to Kuznetsov. Okay, 
But either way, like Tony D'Angelo had a great anticipation, blocked that thing uh, easily, and then created another rush chance for the Flyers in their own right. So, like, this is... We're he was benched two games before that, too. He was benched against yeah. Toronto. And it's just like what Tortorella is able to do with this club, you kind of say to yourself, I wish it was like six years prior, seven years prior. Because I think you and and that kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I think this window, like I think there is a core developing, but I, I, I can't buy into it yet because I don't know. It really depends on how they land in the tank this year in June, July, whatever it is. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next point. I'm really glad you brought up, a, you know, this is what happened, should have happened six or seven years ago. Six or seven years ago, they were relying more on veteran players. Now they're relying more on younger players. Guys like Noah Cates. You know, TK's still a younger player. Yeah, 25 and under. Um, if, if, correct. If, that, if correct. we're talking younger, it's 25 and under, and TK's right at 25. Thank you for making it much more succinct than I ever could have. So, <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. The younger guys are the ones, and I, that's been the gap with this team. They like You look at a team like Tampa. Tampa's been able to develop their young talent and bring them up in pieces and be able to stay consistent. You look at a team like the Flyers. The Flyers haven't drafted well enough to get some of those guys that, they, you know, some of their, their picks haven't hit over the years like you know jay o'brien's a great example for that first round pick guy will never sniff the nhl going back but that's the key now is that the younger players are really getting that development that we needed you know to see as fans because and that organization needed to see is because they they need to get those guys to get the right habits to have a good core going forward now this is this is the not the purgatory part, but this is the kind of exciting part that we haven't been able to think of in a long time. They've lost 10 games in a row this year, and now they've won seven out of the last eight. So you can see the improvement. Look, it's right after the holidays, right after Christmas. You're seeing this team starting to win. I mean, we because we saw it at the on the West Coast trip. We saw the, the development. The as soon as they went flyers after dark here on the East Coast, like that's when you started seeing the improvement, and you're like, and but you also, I will say, you need to take it with a grain of salt because up until Washington, they were playing subpar teams, like wor- clearly worse teams than they are. Um, and you lost to Toronto, which is what at the, I know you hate it, but whatever. I think Toronto is a better team. Um, but Washington to sweep home and home uh, 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 with them, that's impressive as hell. They're a top wildcard speed team um, and is. Uh, what are they at? Are you, are you going to say where they're at? How many? They're, uh, I think, seven points out, six points out? Uh, they are. They are, as of today, they're six points out of a playoff Chuck spot. Fletcher is going to go to that the next time he listen, speaks. Listen, it, it, it's fact. They're, now, listen, they, they, you know, Pittsburgh's got to, uh, a game in hand on the Flyers. Um, but the thing is, Washington's played 45. The Islanders played 44. Flyers played 43. Detroit's got two games in hand on the Flyers. Um and so, they're I mean, coming up on the schedule, and, too. right? And they're they, they're tied in the same amount of points, so that'll that'll be a good litmus mark of you know where how far you can get. But like Buffalo, they've been in a slide, and you know even though they're good, they're they're pushing, and the Flyers beat them earlier this week. So and they're only one point behind them, so they're they're not far out now. And this is this I is my fear. Though. Hate, this no, is, this is, is my fear because no, I do disagree. You, do you keep like does Fletcher? This is this is the problem now because now you're the the front office, not the fan base. I think the fan base is going to stay consistent. 
um, the, the front office, the Dave Scotts of the world are going to try and convince themselves that, oh, maybe Chuck Fletcher knew what he was doing. And look, I don't I don't have any. This is more I, I, I'm sounding like a broken record. This is more of a Tortorella positive than a Fletcher turnaround. Like this is what Tortorella can do, not what Fletcher can do. Fletcher made some decent signings. I don't think Tony D'Angelo does what he is doing at the clip he is under a AV or a uh, uh, anyone other than uh, Tortorella because that is how good of a coach he has become and earned the respect of the players. I I, I can't I can't go through a trade deadline with Chuck Fletcher, man. Can't do it. Listen, listen. You're probably going to at this point. I mean, here's the here's the the thing that people don't understand is that this this sets them up for the game plan for for next season. Okay, I really want to as much as we would love a generational talent. You'd love to see that in the city because we really haven't. You know, this team really hasn't had one since. You know, honestly. Yeah, Lindros. I would say Giroux, but that's a little bit different Because Giroux story. almost had it. Giroux was on the cusp. Laviolette said that like he's right up the there with the Crosby's the and the and the Ovechkins of the world in 2012. I think that was maybe or in 2010. Yeah, it's 2012. Yeah. So like that, he was on that clip because he was in the heart conversation. But then he he didn't dip in the sense of he dipped in the sense of the traditional generational talent. Like he was still going really well. He had the hundred point season. Uh, three, four years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, so 17, for, 18. Yeah, for, for the first time ever. But he never won. The team just wasn't good enough. Like, that was the overall issue. Like, the team didn't consistently perform like Pittsburgh and Washington did. So, that's why he never got into that into that conversation. That, that top tier. The point is, you know, there, there there's, you know, Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark is always going to be Mr. Flyer. Yep. With, you know, it's fun to see, but, you know, People who watched the bullies back in the day, they remember the whole team. They remember, like, you know, uh, Bobby Clark, Billy Barber, you know, Joey Watson, Jim Watson, you know, Rick McLeish, you know, Reggie Leach. They remember all those guys, the whole team. That's why they call them. It's not just, oh, I remember what Bobby Clark it was. They knew the whole team factor was there. Bobby Clark was the most popular player, but he was the last, you know, the leader of the bunch. So if, if this team starts getting better and it sets you up the softy season to say, hey, you know what? We can make a move here to really get back a decent return if they think that they just need to add some pieces, whether that means that somehow if they decide to move on from Kevin Hayes to move on from his contract, if they decide to part ways with, um, uh, you know, Sam Urson, because, you know, Sam Urson was probably going to have some value. Or if you're really going to think outside the box, parting ways with Carter Hart and rolling with Urson and, and getting a big return for Carter Hart. Because, listen, if they're close enough where they can get something, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Because here's the thing about a generational talent. It doesn't mean squat. It really doesn't. And because it, it all depends on the team around it. Because Edmonton, you know, they're, they have a shot of not even making the playoffs this year. And, they have, and they're, they're their second wild card seed with two of the best players in the world. And that team just can't get it together because they're so focused on Dreisaitl and McDavid that they keep swinging and missing on their goaltending as far as that. Jack Campbell hasn't played that well. Stuart Skinner is the only one keeping them alive for the most part. 
Uh, you know, the defensively, they're still poor. And, and the south side of McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but you don't have much in your bottom six to help contribute to your offense. Going back to my point as a whole, you can't just bank on a superstar to get you the promised land because Connor McDavid is also, what, 25, 25 years old? And he's never sniffed a Stanley Cup final. He's never been to a final. And he's been the best player in the world. So um, that should that's, – I'm sorry, he's 26 now. He just turned 26. So talking about a 26-year-old who's been in the league eight years and never been to a final and, and, and really only been to one conference final because the teams around him haven't been that great. So that's what you have to look for is that if you're close enough, you start making moves like Tampa did five years ago, those little players that you know may cost you a little more capital in your draft, but helping you push you over the top, because ultimately it doesn't matter if you get in as a wild card, as first, second, or third seed. Getting in, you can still make a run. I'm not saying this team is going to do that, but I'm saying next season at least you can build a team to help prepare you for that if you feel like you're close enough. So that's that's what's important. Uh, but you you touched on the trades. I want to get into obviously the the what the trade rumors are going around, especially specifically one particular player and Ivan Provorov. Uh, before that, as always, this episode of Orange and Backcheck is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL, I mean, if you watched uh, the Jacksonville-Los uh, Angeles game, that was a, just a small snippet of how these playoffs, I think, are going to go. And they're right, and it's just another step closer to the Super Bowl 57 and the start of the divisional round this coming weekend. And you need to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NFL New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. It's amazing. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I mean, I don't care who it is, whether it's Dallas or New York uh, next Saturday or Sunday. We don't know when they're playing. Philadelphia money line. I would take Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown scorer. Despite that shoulder, I think he's going to be running uh, quite a lot, specifically in the red zone. Take a shot and see if you can make a small payout even bigger with same game parlay like the Eagles money line and Jalen Hurts. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New promo, new customers can bet five dollars on the NFL divisional round and get two hundred in free bets. Instantly, only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can find those in the show notes with all the details. Um, Scott, this Ivan Provorov thing, we've been hearing about it for the better part of, I want to say, year and a half now, season-wise. Maybe a calendar year at this point. Um, I There's there's always the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, just kind of heading for a divorce, you know that there's something, some sort of friction there within the locker room that they're just not seeing eye to eye. Ivan Provov is is very bully-headed uh, he, or hard-headed. He's like, if he wants it one way, he wants to do it his way. And and like, he'll adhere to coaching. I think him and Torts have a decent relationship, but um, it's one of those things where if he's not getting X with, when he's getting Y, he's not happy. And I think it's just better at this point that both teams head for a divorce. And it's one of those things where he's one of your best players that you can get a good return for him. Potentially a high draft pick, maybe a good prospect. Like, 
at, and I going back to like how I feel about the seven out of eight, it, no one's off the table at this point. Maybe you can convince me Carter Hart's not on the ta- not on the table in terms of trading, but anyone that's doable to be traded should be traded or should be fielded at least. So this Ivan Provorov rumor, I it, it, I think it's for the betterment of the team. I, I like Provorov, but I'm fine with it. Well, okay. So let's start off with with what's going on with Provorov. So with Provorov, I think part of it is that I don't think that he's not susceptible to coaching or, you know, grumpy or anything. I think it's more or less that he's been around the losing for so long and been the brunt of it. It's just more or less that, you know, he's not the he's not what people expected. When people when he was drafted, people were like, oh, my God, we're so excited. We finally have a number one defenseman. He's going to blossom. He's going to blossom. And he's kind of he hasn't regressed. I wouldn't say the word regressed. But he hasn't taken off. He's been right on. He hasn't been elite status. He's been like, you know, like a, a, a two, you know, sometimes a three. But he hasn't been that. Hey, this is our number one guy. Like I'm Chris Pronger type. You know, he's not he's not that in his prime. OK, so. Yes, there have been, you know, rumblings about things going out there. If you recall <clears throat> before last season, before Patrick Liney was traded, it was. Fletcher and Kim uh, Ken Chevalier off from the Winnipeg Jets talking for a one for one deal for line a and for Provorov, which, you know, the Flyers said no to. They didn't want to give up on Provorov because they thought that he would be a ceiling, have a higher ceiling. Well, I bet Chuck's kicking himself for making not making that deal. 100%. So, I mean. Anytime you get a, a a top scorer like that, a guy who can just score like he's a natural scorer, like Line, in my opinion, you do it. You replace it. defenseman. It's the most important position of the forward bunch because you need really good defense in order to to help you know propel your team. Especially I, because I, especially because the Flyers just seem to always have a backlog of blue liners to like insert into the pipeline look they're not as they're not as highly touted as Provorov was when he was a prospect but like there's enough there where you can say yeah we'll pull the trigger on this guy get a top end scorer like Patrick Line and something you haven't had for ever if if at all and it's like oh okay that's that's a trade now in hindsight 2020 you make 100 times out of 100 times but Right, and I would have made it back then. I think that would have been a good deal for the Flyers, but they needed it at the time. But, you know, neither here or there, you can't do anything about it. With Provorov now, it's because he hasn't taken that step up that his value, I wouldn't say is diminished, but you're not going to get the return I think you would expect. Charlie O'Connor made a really good point about, uh, you know, you probably get like a a high-end prospect who just hasn't found a way to crack the NHL lineup and just to be able to, to find consistency. I think that's what you're looking for here. I think you're looking for more of a project and the cap savings, I think is really significant because he's at six and three quarter million, 6.75 million for another two seasons. So that's, that's significant. So um, because the NHL doesn't believe that the escrow would be paid back by the players by the end of the season, which means that the cap isn't going to increase for next season. So having 6.75 million come off your books is a huge, huge deal. And given that he is defenseman, teams will probably pay up for that and probably create cap space or make a trade where you get a decent amount of players and, and it back like that. So th- I think that that's what you know. I, I agree with that. I don't think that people think that people tend to overvalue their own players when the fans oh, overvalue. Yep. Like, oh my god, it should be fetched a first round pick and a high prospect. You know, 
I, I don't think that that's the case. I think you're going to get a, a, a prospect who really hasn't found his way to compatibility, a, a younger, well, like, you're, you're looking early for a 20s. Similar, you're looking for a similar situation. Like, this is a, hey, you, we know you're good. You haven't clipped to the level that we want you to. So let's give you a change of scenery, and you'll likely flourish there. The best and, example and, yeah, yeah. is Steve Mason. If you remember Steve yeah. Mason was yeah. in the same exact situation. Steve Mason came in as a rookie, hot, crazy in 0809. Yeah, on the Vesna, you know, carried the Columbus Blue Jackets to the playoffs, so they got swept by Detroit, and just never found his game after that. And then he got traded here after the whole Brisgato debacle and really grabbed the number one was role. It, wasn't it during the – oh, no, that was – it yeah, was, was he was he was, was he was here during he was, the Bridge Yeah, right? he was here the the twenty twelve and twenty thirteen right. uh, when they didn't make the playoffs, right? And they traded for him and then they bought out Briz in the off season. That, but that's that's what I remember. That's an example of what if you're looking for what you need to do with Provorov. That's an example of what you need to do because Provorov is probably going to with a change of scenery pick up his game and, and start playing better. And you don't want to have that regret, but you need to get a younger player. Just like there's potential there. Just hasn't been able to do it. Steve Mason was a great acquisition at that time because that's exactly the same situation that's needed. Yeah. So I, I'm the, the, shocked there hasn't been because I think this is the first of quite a few of these kind of change of scenery or just like finding the culture, whatever the case may be. Like I, I, Tortorella has made it very known. He's just trying to find the guys that want to be here. Uh, and uh, ironically, your second leading scorer in Kevin Hayes is kind of on the short leash with with Tortorella. Like he's. He makes a mistake. He gets knocked out. He get, loses minutes. He even gets benched a couple of times that we've seen. I wouldn't be shocked. Now, I don't know what because the salary cap and has or the salary money has to work in a certain way because he's making a decent clip. Um, I think we're six, seven million dollars. So you have to retain something more than likely. And you're probably not going to get that higher return because of it. But again, it's about crafting Tortorella's culture that you have to kind of adhere to when you're Chuck Fletcher. And I wouldn't be shocked if Kevin Hayes is on the move as well in the next, whether it's a, I don't think it's the trade down line. I think that's an off season thing. So, but I wouldn't be shocked by that either. I think it's just one of these things that well, listen, come with listen, it. it. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and the end of the season, not only with just the players, but another thing too, like because like earlier this season they reported that the NHL salary cap might go up like four million dollars next season, which and that's is significant. significant. Yeah, that's huge for each team. That's a huge number. But also at the same time too, if the escrow isn't paid back, it might not happen. So we have to see how the HRR, the hockey related revenues, and everything pull up for the end of the season. You have to take all that in consideration because that really will direct the Flyers on what they're going to navigate this off season, which is, which is critical. So. You know, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, um, I'm looking at that already. I'm looking at that and planning out and saying, okay, this team is we, we're kind of seeing them develop a little bit. They they've they clawed back from the basement back to 500. They won seven out of eight. Regardless of what you think, you have to look at it from that perspective. This team has won seven out of eight games. The only team they lost to was Toronto. So they're one of the best teams in the league. And I hate how I just said that. <laughs> so it's it's but it's the truth. But that's the key is that when you you know, people you were laughing months ago saying, Oh yeah, we're only a couple points out of a playoff spot. Well, guess what? They're only six points out of a playoff spot in a very competitive metro division. Like crazier shit's happened. So plan it for that perspective where if Kevin Hayes is someone that you want to move 
okay, if you're getting a $4 million bump in the salary cap, can you retain half of that salary? That's a huge deal because teams will be more susceptible to take that, to take a $3.5 million hit rather than a $7.14 million hit. That's key. But if I'm Fletcher, I'm already planning that out and saying, okay, who's going to need that? Where am I going to go? What are we going to fill here? Who can fill that role here? All that stuff is already being talked about right now, even though we're in the middle of the season. I'm sure there's backdoor conversations about a team, you know, in the play who are who is a contender who might want to make a move like that, where you can fetch like you know one of those younger players just back as far as a prospect or a draft pick or something, you know, or offset where you can bring in a veteran player to fill out your bottom six, maybe a little higher cap hit, but at the same time less term. So that that's that's another thing to look at as well. If you remember the Lurie Terra situation where the Flyers brought him in on a larger uh, trade with the Blues, his contract was bigger, but at the same time it, it got off the term for, uh, of off the books. So all those things are happening right now, and that's going to be the interesting part to see: is Kevin Hayes going to move? Where would he go? How much money are you going to retain? And what are you getting back in return as far as they, you know, for as far as a player or a prospect or even a pick? So I think that there is potential of that happening this season, but it really depends on what happens to the cap. If it goes up, I can say it's going to happen. It also it also it, depends on where this team is sitting. I mean, the trade deadline is March third or fourth this year. I think it's the third. The and you gotta know where you stand. Like it's nice that we're talking about a seven out of eight. You're six points out of a playoff spot, but do I expect that to hold? I don't expect that to hold. I really don't. I I, I think they're just playing um, inferior opponents outside of Washington, uh, who you played well against. Boston, you playing? You're playing on Monday. If you beat them, great. But then, like, I wouldn't be shocked if then somehow you lose to uh, New York in a couple of weeks. Like, it's just one of those things where I, I don't. I'm not bought in. I don't think the fan base is bought in, despite the success. Um, no, no, it's no, nice to see, but yeah. at the end of it, <laughs> it's all about Connor Bedard and increasing the chances there. Listen, I don't, I don't, unless until this team a makes the playoffs, nobody's going to buy in. And unless they start making a run during the playoffs, then nobody's really going to buy in. I, I, I get that. I totally understand. And I, I understand that. But again, look at it from the facts, not from your speculation. They've won. Seven out of eight. It doesn't matter who you play. You've won seven out of eight. You know, people are saying, oh, this team is terrible. They're going to bottom out. And guess what? They're not looking so bad right now, are they? They're, they're, and again, like I mentioned a few episodes ago, go back and look at John Tortorella's coaching history. Look what happened in Columbus. This is exactly what happened. The next season, they really started taking off, and then they sweep the President's Trophy. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. Sweep in the first round. The potential is there for this team to really get going and, and make some things and, and, and make some uh, I mean, we already things. know that they're a tough team to play, whether they're losing or winning those games. They are a pain in the ass to play for these opponents. Like they are it's in, great to see they're developing an identity. When you see them go down four two or four one in the second period, they come out swinging in the third and usually see them either cut it down to a one-goal game and then they lose on an empty netter or something, or they get it to an even 4-4 or 5-4, uh, and they're like, oh, okay, this team is not something we can just sit back and hope to beat in the third period as your opponent. So like that is that is what I am 
excited to see. And that's, again, the Tortorella effect. And that's what they've been missing for the last four years, especially after the pandemic, the two years. So it's nice to see that, like, despite them losing those games, they're still playing hard as hell. And it's fun to watch in their own right because you're seeing the players that you want to see 25 and under actually contributing. So um, one thing you're not going to see, and we'll close. This is the this is the greatest non-story story I've ever read uh, and seen. Uh, if you didn't notice, the Flyers after the Toronto loss no longer are using iPads on the bench, and they've now won two straight against Washington. Um, I don't think there's a coincidence there. Tortorella banned iPads. The iPads are traditionally used similar to the Microsoft services on the NFL side. You're just watching the previous play, your shift, whatever. Uh, I I think we're on the same page on this. I love this. I oh, love his too. reasoning uh, to ban this. And uh, it just makes sense. Like his reasoning makes too, almost too much sense that like you can't say no to it. like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. Let him let him do what he wants. And And by the way, he had one of his patented John Tortorella lines saying, I don't give a shit how I'm perceived. Agreed. Agreed. He doesn't give a flying shit. That was the exact quote, which I love. Like, the, his reasoning is that he wants the team to watch the game itself and and, and worry about the next shift. And, and that's exactly what he wants. And I, I fully support that. I think iPads on the bench and NHL are the dumbest thing ever because it's not like football. Like, football, it's a set play. You see patterns and all this stuff. Like, not even that. Like you're talking about a a a um sticking with the NFL. Like you're talking about a, a quarterback that's looking at plays over the next like possibly ten minutes, fifteen minutes in real time, not just game time. But like the average NHL chef, you're back, you're on, you're off, and you're back on again in two minutes or less in most cases. Like, how are you supposed to process those plays? on an iPad while also staying focused on when your next shift comes. So it, it just doesn't make sense to have them uh, outside of reviewing a play for a potential coach's challenge. That's the only moment that I, uh, that I'm fine with it. Uh, agreed. hundred hundred percent agreement with you. And this is rare on this podcast. <laughs> Very, we agree, yeah. we agree on something, but uh, you know, when you're, it's so free flowing, the game of hockey is so free flowing and it's so fast and it's so natural as far as the speed goes that, I, taking an iPad, oh, wait, watch this. You should have cut inside. We should have cut outside. Okay, well, you know what? I don't need an iPad to say that. I can say, a coach comes to me, next time he comes in the zone like that, watch his gap. You might be able to take him to the inside sooner. Okay? Like, you, you should, if you're a pro at hockey, you should know what the hell that means. So, my my point, again, is this is absolutely great. And I think that with Tortorella's reasoning for when he first started is that teams have a tendency to overcoach. I think the iPad is complete overcoaching. And I overthinking. And, and, and Overthi- 100%. Overthinking is what he focused on, too. Right. You're, you're, you're missing key points of the game. You're missing, you know, you're missing, you know, you're watching. I can see, like, when, especially when the like, other broadcasts, when they're using the iPad and they come back from a commercial and guys just flipping through the iPad and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's so... It's ridiculous. Like, what do you need to watch your last shift for? You you watch the tape the next day. You don't need to know. I get it's on the fly, but you're not focused on the game. You're not focused on the momentum. You're not focused on what your other teammates are doing. You, the, you lose energy. I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but it's like when you realize that you have a final the next day and you're like, you realize you didn't study. So you just try and cram it all in 
the night before. And in this case, you're doing it two minutes before the final of you getting back out on the ice. Like it doesn't, it's not a sustainable way to learn the game. And I, and, and to Tortorella's point about overthinking, you realize, especially if you made an error, you think about that error as you're looking at the iPad. And then when you get a, get it back out on the ice, guess what you're thinking about? You're thinking about that error and guess what you're going to do when you think about that error. You're going to make that error again. And it's, it's just this building block of this water avalanche of just errors on errors on errors. It's like, um, like they literally will, the, the, when, planes when when pilots have to make emergency they're just staying on the positive they're staying on this is what i need to do here's how i'm supposed to react x y z z z z and and go from there like to just continue to live in the past on these ipads i i, I totally get where tortorella is coming from uh especially a young team you focus on how young the team is as well um so yeah i it just it was one of those things where i'm like seems silly but then you read into it and you're like Oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like I get this, and I'm I'm glad it's, that they're doing it. It's a smart coaching tactic. It's a really smart because what it's going to do, it's also going to force the players to make sure they're communicating with each other on the bench, their line mates, their coaches, everything, talking about the actual thing out there as far as the momentum and the play goes. Like you're not focused on the iPad. Oh, we should have done this rather than that. Hey, what do we do next time you're out there? Hey, keep an eye on this guy. He's doing this. He's doing that. Like you're, it's teaching them to see the game better down on the ice you can if anybody can look at an ipad and coach it from above like that's why coaches are on the bench because they get a feeling and they get a they get a sense of the momentum and how everything is transpiring down there it's very easy to stay up top like for instance when i go to games i like sitting in the 200 level because i like seeing the whole play develop i see it like i know when like things are going to happen like i know when a puck's going in before a puck goes in more often than not just from seeing the game you know, at, at, at this level and then going up top, it makes it easier. But when you're staring at an iPad and, you know, I'm, I'm going to use a piece of paper here. When you're staring at an iPad on the bench, you're looking at that. You're you're missing everything that's going on. There might be a flurry of action down there and coach saying you should do this, 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 this. this. And it's like, ah, right, OK, go back to your point of overthinking. It's taking away of me turning my team at my, my bench, watching the game, getting in the flow, because then you lose that edge of momentum. Because if you just had a flurry and you're going out for your shift, you're pumped up more or less. If you're missing parts of those games, you don't have the emotion into it, which you have the skill, but you don't have the emotion. And emotion in hockey is one of the biggest things that people don't understand. When you're on the ice or on the bench, it is so electric, every shift. It may look like a very casual shift or anything, but when you're down there, it's active, and there's a lot going on. And it's just, you know, so many things at once where it's so flowing back and forth that that's the part where, He's trying to make a point is that you're missing some of those things that are going to help you develop. You're missing that emotion. You're missing seeing that thing, uh, seeing the plays action at ice level. You're missing communicating with your teammate, your, your line mates about how to process things. All that needs to be learned, especially with a young team. Now, down the line, they might bring them back at some point, but now's not that time. And I love this. This is one of my, this is why Tortorella is a fantastic coach because he gets. He gets it. Hey, look, it's not going with the trendy thing and analytics and can buy pads on the bench. Like, no, play the freaking game. I was, I actually was, I was looking at COC's article. I don't know if he even mentioned if he has a plan to bring it back. No, I'm saying, not saying now. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Some, I'm just curious. At some like, point, at yeah, some yeah. point, they might bring them back. Yeah, like not ne- now, not this season. Probably next season, or if they make a playoff run or anything along those lines, you're doing. 
But even so, you don't really need but it. But if it's also if it's if you make a playoff run after you ban the iPads, why would you bring them back in the, in that case anyway? That's like, I'm, exactly. You know? and I agree. You might I'm talking about like next season or something along those lines, or have one out there or whatever. But I, again, this this is put a child timer on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can only like look only at for it for urgent situations. Five seconds. Yeah. Not even that. Just if a coach wants to show you something of, you know, like, hey, look, there's something here you're missing or something along those lines. So, like, it, it it's the technology is great, but it's sometimes just it's not it's not necessary. We, we we it's not necessary, and I love this. All right, that is it. Episode one thirty eight of Orange and Bat Check. Don't look now, but the Flyers are one of the hottest teams in the NHL. It's a lot of fun to see. We are off next week. We're taking the week off. I got some prior commitments that we just couldn't avoid. So we're going to take the week off uh, and we'll see what happens. If they go cold when we're off on that week, you can blame us. And that that's the reason, because we decided to not talk about how great they look. So if you and how they're six points out of a playoff spot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you would be so kind, make sure you rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, subscribe to us and shoot us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They're all in the description below at OBackCheck on Twitter, at Orange and Backcheck Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. OrangeBackCheck at gmail.com if you want to join in on the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Six points out of a playoff spot, Bill. Yeah, 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 yeah.